Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another live episode of Circling the Faces, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. Just read the logo right here. I'm all over it. I am your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, how's it going, sir? How was your New York trip? It was awesome. I wish it would have been a little bit longer, but it Give was awesome. Give me the deets. It was, it was great. Got to meet uh, Randy Johnson and Mike Piazza. Got to have uh, a quick little dinner with them. Couldn't have been nicer. Of course, like every generation, there was a little bit of the OK Boomer stuff where they they lament about the style of baseball. But that is just every generation is going to hate the next generation. Someday we're going to hear Fernando Tatis Jr. lament (laughs) that that Shedlong the fifth doesn't run out ground balls. It's just something that's (laughs) going to happen. Um, But it was awesome. I love that city. Got to take a tour of City Field. The only place we didn't get to go was the Mets locker room. And I understand that. I don't need to see a, a player's unmentionables. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I get to, I got to go in the Blue Jays uh, visiting locker room. They had everything set up, took about a thousand selfies. I'll never complain about anyone taking selfies again. Cause I did more than my share. It was awesome. It was a once in a lifetime experience. Now, the only question I ask did, how much extra did you have to pay to have Randy Johnson throw up and in on you? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like just a little bit of chin music from the big unit. Come on. Like, no, I mean, I, I'm willing to pay a couple extra bucks just to be buzzed off the plate real quick as he, <laughs> as he launches yeah. one and hide oh, inside. Absolutely. Yeah. Or Mr. Snappy, just to find out what it would be like. To just to be like, oh, yeah, I just want to yeah. see those two pitches. I want to see, see hide inside 95 yeah. Yeah. and I want to see 74, yeah. seven feet off the plate. And that's it's, what I want to see in those rapid succession. It, it's un. Especially I'm left-handed. So like seeing oh, yeah. that angle of that pitch, like looks like it's coming right at your head. And then all of a sudden it just, just sweeps away. Um, you know, what's funny uh, real quick before we get started, I was thinking about this and Randy kind of talked about this in today's day and age. A, a lot of people don't know this, but Randy Johnson really throw it, struggled to throw strikes when he first started in his mm-hmm. career, like really struggled, walked over 140 hitters two years in a row. In today's day and age, I don't know if Randy Johnson gets the chance to be a starting pitcher. In today's day and age, I don't know with those two plus plus pitches and how baseball works, there's a very good chance that Randy Johnson becomes a reliever or a bulk pitcher instead. Yeah, he becomes of, a role this Chapman. Yeah, right? he becomes yeah. just like a big lefty who just gets everybody out and does that rock. Yeah. It's amazing, but yeah, it's there the is same a, way we look at Greg Maddox. Like, could sure. Greg Maddox make it through all the hurdles you need to theoretically make it through today? Throwing yeah. like ninety-two and topping out at that yeah, at twenty-five, sure. but you know yeah. what? Touched every part of the black whenever yeah. he wanted. So yeah, amazing yeah. to see how that plays out. But you're right. It's funny looking back at some of the older stuff and going like, 
you know, their early season struggles and yeah. or early career struggles and playing that out. Yeah. Hilariously sure. that, by the Absolutely. way, Chris, um, uh, that's a snazzy new Twitter profile pick from you there. Was that from this week? <laughs> that was from this week. We I were... see you with a little suit and tie and your yeah. hair all matted down. Uh, I haven't, I barely I, see your hair. Yeah, I only get I, to see hats on this show. There's, there's very little hair to show off. That picture <laughs> is very misleading about my hairline. I'll just tell you that much. But yeah, they requested that you we do business casual. I will say that there were 50 people, maybe nine people actually went to the dress code, but I felt good about it. Dang it. Well, you looked you look beautiful out Thank there. Thank you, sir. You look, and you got a new Twitter profile pick. What's more yeah. important? Hey, what can you do? Yeah. Exactly. Coming up on the show today, Chris and I will cover all of the latest rumors around the baseball landscape as we eagerly await the July 31st deadline. We believe we've got one in the books. A little, a little wrinkle at the end here, but it'll get done. We've got one in the books, um, and we expect with the number of big names being discussed right now in real realistic terms – we might be, and I don't want to cross my fingers too hard here and help out Drew and DJ when they have the Thursday night show, but this <laughs> might be a real flurry, a real banner trade deadline. We're going to talk you through some of the biggest names here. Um, but before we get to before we get to the trade deadline, need to give a quick shout out to where I am right now. I am broadcasting this remote from Mackinac Island, printed spelled Mackinac, if anyone is out there looking. It is a, as I'm going to raise the hand up here for the Michigan sign, I'm on the wrong side. It is the very top middle finger island above that top middle finger of the Michigan state. Um, there is a big sailboat race that goes down every year. It is the Port Huron to Mackinac race. It's about 100 miles or so. It takes about the bigger ships can do it in 12 to 15. Most of the normal ships doing about 36 to 46, depending on the wind. And my dad is actually a big sailor. So he mentioned this year might be his last year doing it. Again, it's it's tough rocking a boat for 36 plus hours at any given point. No brakes, no engines. You're just riding wind. So he told me that this might be his last race. So he had to come up here and do it. Shouts to Pirate Crew, third in their class, um, out of about 12 or 13 boats. But Chris, this island is so awesome. And I cannot begin to describe how cool it is. No cars, only horses, horse-drawn carriages, and bicycles. That's all there is. No bikes, bicycles. That's all there is on the island, about eight miles around. Um, you want to call an Uber like I'm used to doing? You literally have to call a horse-drawn carriage to take you <laughs> to your hotel at the end of the night. Normally a very quiet town. There's about 3,000 sailors who just hopped off a boat for 36-plus hours. So it is a rollicking good time. So I just wanted to give quick shouts to the pirate crew and everyone who had an opportunity to race up here in the Mackinac race. It has been a truly awesome 72 hours and would love to come back here again anytime. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Is there any way to uh, lay a few shekels on your dad winning that race? That's uh, You know, that's what I asked the question because yeah. DraftKings was sponsoring it. And I was like, okay, I've never had the remote, like the closest thing to inside information ever. And like, I might actually have a little bit here. <laughs> and I looked up on DraftKings because again, I can't get it in New York, but I can get it here in Michigan. And I did not see the race being, uh, it wasn't on DraftKings or at least I couldn't find it. So I was not able to, but I was really hoping to be able to throw down a couple bucks on my own dad on DraftKings. Oh, yeah. Like that's super cool to yeah. be able to spun that. But again, shouts to Pirate Crew, third in their class. Number one yacht club in the group in like the 
gymnastics team stage. Number one out in from the entire competition. Awesome shouts out to Jeff Henderson, TJ Henderson, and the rest of the pirate crew. Hey, Colin, um, speaking of uh, breaking stuff, uh, I got a little inside information that it Ooh, I love just, a little inside information. Trade just went down between the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros. Okay, the continue. Astros, according to my source, and I'm now seeing it printed on the Twitter, have traded Eric, Abraham Toro and Joe Smith to the Mariners for okay. Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero. This is a really? weird, weird, weird trade, especially after the Mariners just had that comfort behind victory. They're one yeah. game out of a wild card spot, and they're trading Kendall Graveman. This is of, really of, interesting. I actually took him off my list. I took out like I have a list of like all the people that I'm expecting to like really have be considered, and I took him off my list right before the show because I was like, "There's no way that Seattle's moving a reliever right now in this moment, short of a." laughable return and you obviously know these prospects probably better than I without me having any chance to do a little bit of research here but that's not a, a, an unbelievable return by my metrics for Astros prospects no and in fact it's not prospects because Toro's a, a, a right. kind of established major player Joe Smith is Joe Smith obviously I yeah. mean, I'm pretty sure Joe Smith has been playing in the major since 1986 whether I have proof <laughs> of it or not no that checks so out is, I'm pretty sure so, this is really odd because, yes, Toro does kind of fit a need for the Mariners. They do need some offensive help. It's fair to say that Paul Sewold has become the closer for the Mariners. So I get that from a sort of uh, retrospect. Rafael Montero has been a huge disappointment, adds yeah. nothing. Um, I would say Smith is an upgrade over Montero. But Kendall Graveman has been outside of a um, a decision he made that I disagree with vehemently that landed him on uh, the injured list has been one of the better relievers, not only for the Mariners, but in the American League. Uh, this is an interesting move. And I think, unfortunately, a kind of, uh, in terms of fantasy value, really hurts Graveman because he's not yeah. going to be the closer there. But that, no, that, that, that position is established. He could still be a helper, you know. But this is interesting. It's a move that you are – you're helping your biggest – one of your biggest competitions. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't think really upgrading that much because all Toro to me is is really a bench bat. This is yeah. – perplexing is the word my good friend Ryan Devich just used, and I think that's a pretty good word for it. Now, with this, this trade screams to me like – 351 on July 31st. All right, I'm making the move to make it move kind of kind of move like if you're the if you're the Mariners, wait to see where Kimbrel goes. Wait to see where wherever goes and and, ho and maybe Brad Hand and be able to find someone who's eager for that you know late inning relief arm. Hey, maybe you know if I'm going to trade in division, I'm doing it later in the uh, later in the deadline. I'm not doing it with three, four days to spare when it doesn't right. feel like it needs to happen right now. That genuinely surprises me. And like you said, Graveman going to a team where he is not going to be the closer means that he is all but droppable in anything other than holds leagues because right. all he's going to be doing is racking up holds short of a injury. And he's not a huge strikeout guy either. Like right. by, by no means just a guy who's relying on good defense, but um, a certainly a guy who is not going to be – that 13 to 14 K nine um, type of player. I will say this, exactly. go get Paul Seawald if you can, because he mm -hmm. is, 
beyond clearly the Seattle Mariner closer yeah. right now. And de facto do, now at this point, yeah. I do wonder if some of this move has to do with the fact that without getting too um, into it, Kendall Graveman was one of the players who chose not to get vaccinated and ended up on the injured list and did not sit well with a lot of his teammates. I do wonder if some of that has something to do with this move. Uh, just talking about Toro real quick. He's played in 35 games, 211, 287, 385. Now, I think he's better than that. Like He was one of the better yeah. uh, prospects, and he's capable of playing third base. He's capable of playing first base. Maybe the Mariners are going to give him a chance. Maybe this is a guy that they've been scouting for a while and are a big fan of, but I would definitely not add him on in fantasy, no. even with the increase in playing time that he's almost assuredly going to get. This is this is a real head-scratcher, and it makes me think that there's something else up Seattle's screen because they are literally one game back of a playoff spot right now. One yeah. game out of making the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. This move, to me, comes off more as a selling move yes. than a get-better move. That was we'll my see. first thought was, yeah. like, look, if you're a game back and you're going all in, and we've heard the Mariners being interesting buyers during this deadline. We've heard them uh, we've heard them link to uh, Trey Turner. We've heard them link to Whit Merrifield. Like, we've heard them li link to better names out there. If you're going to move Graveman, right. you could – I mean, would he not be a phenomenal piece in either one of those trades for sure. a better bat to come yeah. in? But I'm just – this again, this is why I keep seeing this trade as a, all right – it's 354 on the 31st and we're going to get this trade in kind yeah, of deal. Not right. with, not with a little bit of time left to try and move Graveman in there. I Honestly, that's that. a perplexing one. We're going to have to circle back on that because I, I don't see how that benefits the Mariners, a team that has all but stated we're, we're buying, not selling. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it, but I'm guessing we'll have something else to talk about with the Mariners next week. Yeah, I would assume so as well. And a quick shout to everyone listening live right now. Hello, months behind. Hello, and tree, and trill. I'm not. I'm not great at all of the Twitter handles. But um, if you are watching this live, please don't hesitate. Write in anything you want to see your team do. Any comments that you have about the trades that have already gone down. We'd love to involve you in the conversation. So please use those little fingers and write in anything that you'd like. Um, for anyone listening on the audio version, come next day. Uh, come hang out with us next Tuesday. We'd really love to see you. Absolutely. So let's talk about a trade that has gone down, and or at least by all metrics <laughs> have gone down. There is now suddenly a wrinkle that occurred mere minutes before we went live. So we're going to talk about it as if it is still going to happen. The prospects involved might change. But Tyler Anderson of the Pirates looks like he is going to get traded to the Phillies. The Phillies reportedly are giving up two second-tier prospects, Christian Hernandez and Abraham Gutierrez. Now, there has been some rumors that there's a medical issue with one of them, so those names might change. But it seems pretty likely that Tyler Anderson still winds up with the Phillies. Uh, even if he doesn't, Anderson 31 is almost assuredly gone otherwise. He is in a one-year contract and owed the balance of $2.5 million um, that he is owed in 2021. So far on the year, he has a 5-8 and eight record with a 4.35 ERA with 86 strikeouts and 25 walks in 18 starts across 103 and a third innings. Best stats, and I bet you one of the reasons why anybody who wants to swim in that smaller pool of starting pitchers rather than the Scherzer, Berrios, uh, you know, that kind of upper echelon pool, 
All 18 of his starts have gone at least five innings. There are not many pitchers out there who can say that. Uh, you just love, in, in today's age, especially after going af going the year after a 60-game season, anybody who can give you length and consistent length in a starting pitching spot is just so unbelievably valuable. Um, if he does go to the Phillies, which, again, we're presuming in this conversation, he figures the slot in behind Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola in the Phillies rotation, probably a 3-4 with, with Velasquez as kind of rounding out a theoretical postseason rotation. Obviously, the Phillies have quite a bit of ground to catch up before you can have that conversation. But Tyler Anderson looking like he is soon to be a Philadelphia Philly. Yeah, and if he's not a Philadelphia Philly, he's going to be somebody else. Exactly. Like of all the players that I could like guarantee are going to get traded, Tyler Anderson would rank probably 1-1 because it oh. doesn't make any sense for the Pirates to keep him, and he's just a um, – a natural fit that shouldn't cost a lot. You're looking at uh, the return to middling prospects, apparently an issue with one of those prospects right now, but figure something gets worked out. And if it doesn't get worked out with him and look, it really doesn't matter where Tyler Anderson goes. His fantasy stock is going to improve because he's going from Pittsburgh to a team that you would assume is a literally anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Anywhere else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> assuming the Diamondbacks aren't trading for Tyler right. Anderson for some reason, but um, yeah, Baltimore is yeah. not suddenly banging. Yeah, on the door. yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, but anyway, either way, stock improves, but either way, it's going to be a pitcher who is a better real life pitcher than a fantasy one. Like, look, he he's striking out at bats at an okay rate this year. He's uh, I believe he's at 7.5. 7.5. Uh, yeah. yeah, not terrible. And he doesn't issue a ton of walks, 2.2 this year. Much improved on uh, what he was doing in 2019 and 18, but that's um, still not like an elite number, but it's solid. Um but he's not going to miss enough bats and he's not going to give you those seven inning two run starts. He's going to give you a lot of six inning three run starts or five inning two run starts, the occasional five inning three run starts, yada, yada, yada. Either way, he can be a decent streamer, a guy I would be thinking about pitching against weaker lineups, but uh, certainly not a guy like that I'm rushing out to go get in fantasy either. No, streamer is the only conversation I'll have when it comes to Tyler Anderson. Like he is, yeah. he's a guy that you hope that, all right, he improved, like you said, he improves his, his stock by moving to a better team and you try and find the right matchups for him. But otherwise, he's not someone anyone needs to go out and roster immediately, and especially not when compared to some of the other names that are being discussed around the trade deadline. Like, I don't see – he could move to the Dodgers, and I don't see him suddenly jumping up into must-own territory. Like, this no. is a guy that is truly, I think, the definition of, like, league average. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it, it's just one of those situations where, like – He's going to – I'm interested to see how this, like, sets the market. Like, um, because, look, there's guys like Jose Barrios and Michael Pineda and potentially John Gray and stuff that are much better fantasy pitchers that I mm -hmm. think – if I'm Philadelphia, I'm still trying to get those guys. Yeah, like, that rotation needs help. It's just going to be um, interesting to see. Uh, somebody asked a question that I think is actually kind of interesting over here. I'm going to do it. Uh, Yimmy Soria Classe roster because i'm not going to say the other word all three worried about them moving yeah i mean like i i no. can see like, like i here's the thing cleveland has been an extremely they're willing to do weird things so if so if I, I don't think they would move him it doesn't make a whole lot of sense 
Soria, absolutely. Because what is the point of keeping Soria if you are the Arizona Diamondbacks? Uh, Yimmy, I, I think, is probably hanging on because he's roster control or club controlled. So yeah. I don't see that. But um, not a big fan of any of the three, to be completely honest with you. But um, Soria would be the one that I would think would be moved. Um, it's just a question about, and I, unfortunately, if he's moved, not going to be a closer wherever he's going. No. And that's what I was about to bring up is that Soria. Yes. The most likely to get moved in that scenario. But if he does, he's not going to be on your fantasy roster afterwards because there's no scenario where he jumps to a team and has any fantasy relevance outside of a potential holds league. Um, class, I mean, class a is. I think young and exciting, and I don't think, and he's under team control to my understanding for a little bit longer. I don't see right. him get moved. Yimmy, again, the Marlins keep looking at next year, the year after that, their pitching right. staff and all the rest. Like he is a building block for them, especially in that bullpen. So I don't see him getting moved. Sorry if he does, he you could drop him the second you see that notification yeah. on your phone because right. it's not going to be good. So we are in playoff push here in the fantasy baseball season. So make sure you are signed up for NBC sports edge plus signing up for edge plus gets you access to our fantasy football, basketball, and hockey sections. In addition to our incredible baseball content. And if you listen to the show, you know, the reward, a reward for our listeners, be sure to use promo code bases 10 to get 10% off any premium subscription package, either monthly or annually, regardless of tier. So to find your edge, make sure you are signed up for NBC Sports Edge Plus. That promo code again is BASES10. And as as we all are blissfully living in it right now, the Olympics are in full swing. And if you want to get inside the Olympics a little bit more, hear the Olympics like you've never heard them before with The Podium, an NBC Olympics podcast. Following along with host Lauren Sharati as we bring you deep into the stories and behind the curtains each day during the Tokyo Olympics. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. So let's talk, Chris, about probably the biggest news that has come out over the last 24 hours. No disrespect to Tyler Anderson or (laughs) Dave but Max Scherzer, ace, Hall of Famer for the Washington Nationals, I mean, the chances of him getting moved have suddenly raised from like a, a, a middling 15% to like more than likely he's going to be wearing a new uniform in yeah. less than a week. Chris, sure. I mean, there's so much to dive deep in here. It looks like the nationalism have all but said everyone but Juan Soto is on the block. Kudos 
to GM Anthony Rizzo to essentially realize that this team has far too many flaws for what it has and looking elsewhere for it. At the very least, he's posturing elsewhere for it. But yeah. Max Scherzer, 7-4 and four with a 2.83 ERA, 142 strikeouts in 105 innings, currently rocking the lowest whip of his career. I mean, it, there are a few pieces. I mean, I'm, I'm literally going back to like the CC Sabathia to the Brewers conversation of like what this could do to a division race. Uh, potential suitors right now, the Dodgers, Giants, Padres, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, Astros, and Mets. Um, yeah. Apparently the Yankees have talked to him, but it does not look like he would be willing to waive his no trade clause to go to the Yankees. I assume that would also count the same for the Mets. Um, it looks like he wants to go out West. So Dodgers, Giants, Padres looking real pretty in this conversation. He was scratched from his last start due to right tricep discomfort. He's unlikely to make his Thursday start, which unfortunately comes at the worst time for the Nationals as they're yeah. trying to move him and going, no, no, he's healthy. He's healthy. He's healthy. I don't know how healthy he is. We're going to find out. Right. But, I mean, what is what is your percentage? What How confident are you that Max Scherzer is rocking a new uniform, and where do you think he ends up? I'll go 50-50, and I know that's cheating because it's basically he either will or he either won't. Because Yeah, I know. I always appreciate yeah, a non-answer yeah. answer. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you're very welcome. And since you brought <laughs> that up, I'll make fun of you that you said their GM was Anthony Rizzo instead of Mike. So the, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. You know what? That's fair. That's on me. Yeah. That's on me. Yeah, it's, it's uh, all fair in love and war. Um, I, I, I think that there's a really good chance that he's moved, partially because, one, Washington is not a playoff contender this year. Two, Washington's farm system is probably the worst in baseball. Kate yeah, Cavalli wow. is a nice prospect. They, I assume they're going to get Brady House signed. That'll be a nice prospect for them as well. There's no depth there. There is zero depth. And this is a creative team that has some nice young pieces. To be honest, and somebody brought it up in the chat as well, Tracy, Trey Turner is the real interesting thing here. Like if Trey Turner is really on the market – all bets are off on what Washington can get because that is the type of guy that you're willing to move the house for. And now house for, yeah. the, in, in this day and age, we just don't see trades that where people move the house. I mean, we saw Francisco Lindor get returned for a middling package. We saw you Darvish traded for a middling package. Prospect hoarding is a thing. It is just going to happen. But if you're going to give up a bunch of stuff, like no disrespect to Max Scherzer, and to answer your question, I think the Giants would be the team I'd love to see him in. Yeah. I think that would make that Dodgers-Giants rivalry so fun. Like awesome. the, just to put those three teams together and just like a big, a big gumbo pot of just awesome rivalry going on. Um, but Trey Turner is real interesting. And if I'm a Major League Baseball team, like I am doing what I can to get that guy. And uh, somebody in the chat just said that Trey Turner was just removed from the game. Of course, that could be injury-related and stuff, but that's let speculation alarm go off. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that would be that would just be. I don't. We underrate Trey Turner every year. Could not agree more. The last three years, he has been among the very not just best fantasy players, best real life players in the entire sport. I am fascinated to see what would happen here. Man, that's fun. 
I mean, you, it's tough looking at the Trevor story market and real and realizing that Trey Turner is suddenly in that market as well. Cause uh-huh. if, you, if yeah. you're going to put all your pieces in, you're putting in for one of them. You're not putting in for the other. So yeah. um, the Rockies have to be unbelievably livid at the idea that Trey Turner could even be on the block because no one's going to talk to them otherwise. But um, Scherzer going back to that, Obviously, we need to know about his health. He has the no-trade clause, so that is going to be a factor in here. If he does get moved, it'll probably happen within the next 24 to 48 hours as that will give teams time to figure out all of the contractual language that's going to need to happen here. There's going to be some cartwheels through some hoops to make this happen, but if both sides are willing, it'll get done. Um, Trey Turner, obviously, when we hear everyone but Juan Soto is on the block, everyone first looks to Trey Turner. And he is a free agent at the end of next season, not this season. Um, so there's, again, the Nationals are not in any rush to move him. You mentioned Darvish. You mentioned Lindor. Both of those were off-season trades, not mid-season yeah. trades. So right. you could see, um, you know, I could see maybe Turner make being more, there being more time to make a move for Turner in the off-season than there is right, right now. Yeah. I would think that it's more than likely he stays on the Nationals. I could be wrong in 12 hours when this posts online, but Max Scherzer is almost assuredly moving. And I, you'd have to assume that Mike Rizzo is sitting there looking with the giants on one phone, the Dodgers on another phone and the Padres on another. Yeah. Phone. You talk to each other and you tell me which one of you wants to win this position because that's essentially what he has to be doing yeah. right now is saying, all right, which one of you wants to pony up because yeah. uh, Max Scherzer is coming to your division and he's going to come in hot. And that's it's, what he's going to be. So it's it's huge. That By is way, fascinating. When yeah. was the last time we saw three teams as good as those three teams are, as yeah. close as they are at this point during the trade deadline, all essentially in a very small group of people bidding for the same person? Yeah, I can't remember the last time we've seen that many pieces all lining up perfectly. And all three need him or have to get something. You know what I mean? Like all three of those teams are making the playoffs, but yep. winning the division that in this is going to be huge because it guarantees you're not playing one game against one that game. other team. That is a huge difference. Um, by the way, I'll also with the uh, nationals kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but Steven Strasburg, thoracic outlet. Yeah. Out for the a, rest of the year. Yeah. Out for the rest of the year. And I've got to tell you, man, that's a guy thoracic. It is not, I don't like saying the word death sentence because obviously it's not a, a real death sentence type right. of thing, but in so terms, look. in terms of, pitching it's the worst thing that you can have it is literally the worst thing that you can have tommy john surgery is a big deal rotator cuff surgery is a very very big deal but this thoracic outload syndrome man there are very very few pitchers who even just come back from it much less come back to being the same pitcher so uh, I, Especially I don't when you look at yeah. you look at his contract and you look at patrick corbin's contract and you look at yeah. both of them right now yeah. and say it's going to be tough. Well, again, you have to hope that Strasburg comes back to 90% of what he was before he went down and right. Patrick Corbin to be not awful. And yeah. still, you're still putting together oh. a third of your, a third of your payroll is going to those two guys. So yeah, it's true. And you know that a mega deal for Juan Soto has to be coming soon because yeah. why would you not? So I, there's just I, a lot of moving pieces there. I want to be clear that the learners are going to be just fine. So don't feel bad for Washington ownership about this situation, but it is something that like the nationals have gotten since they gave Steven Strasburg 260 million. They have given, 
he's given them four starts. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why, like Max Scherzer going to be leaving either, I think one way or another, either way. But um, it's one of the reasons why I think you get burned. I can't help wearing my Seahawks stuff. Somebody complained about it, by the way. I'm sorry that I was born here. Um, but uh, you should it, it's kind of like how the Seahawks, when Cam Chancellor had that injury, they became very cognizant about giving out long-term contracts mm-hmm. because it once you really, get burned, once you get burned, uh, teams can be very, very, very apprehensive. Probably to a fault. In fact, I would say completely to a fault. Um, I would still give if going hindsight, I still would have given Steven Strasburg that kind of that yeah. money for one thing. Absolutely. He earned it. He gave you a World Series championship, and two, yeah. the upside of what was going on. But but that's one of the reasons why I think you could see a move of a traitor. Man, I am. Fascinating. One other thing, the contract with Max Scherzer is weird. Did you see that a team will not have to pay him if they trade for him because of how all of this, like this is some stuff. Differential money, the Bobby Bonilla contract, baby. We don't, who doesn't love that? You know what? Pay me, pay me a whole bunch later down the road instead of paying me now. I love how that is apparently a thing, but it is. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I would absolutely, um, I would guess that those guys are – now that they – there has to be a reason Trey Turner was removed from this game, and it doesn't sound like it's injury-related. I think we're going to wake up to something really interesting tomorrow. Uh, if we do, we're going to have to do – we're going to have to hop on a quick emergency pod because <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of opinions if that yeah. goes down. Let's talk about some of the rest of the free agent market, and I'm going to kind of rank these guys. I'm going to throw them all in one pot, and you tell me which ones you feel have the best chance because all of these guys have been linked with spots over the last, really, 48 hours. I mean, Joey Gallo is still being discussed. I I think the chance of him moving now are starting to drop a little bit because I kind of expected a bigger market for him. It seems like the market isn't quite as big, and the Padres maybe aren't as much of players in it, but he's still – I mean, leads the league in walks. His OBP is 380. Like, I mean, he is so beneficial to a good team. Um, You know, Yankees, White Sox, Braves, Toronto, Padres, all of those guys could do it. And he's not just a rental, which is ideal. Uh, Whit Merrifield, again, we have been waiting for years for him to get traded. And we still are waiting for that trade to occur. Um, Meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell is – almost assuredly going to get moved and he has been the best closer all year. And you have to assume that the Cubs who are in almost full teardown mode, it seems like for their major pieces are going to get spun. Craig Kimbrell might get the most return out of anyone there. And then uh, sticking with the Cubs, obviously Chris Bryant, we know Chris Bryant is almost assuredly going to get traded, but like he is now, not going to get, I mean, we're still waiting to see how exactly that spins. So we know Chris Bryant is there. So there's a lot of pieces of all the names that I just mentioned. Now I'll throw Trevor Story and Kyle Gibson in there as well, considering that both of them have been discussed to a lot of teams. Yeah. Which one of those, which one of those players is really screaming at you? Like they're going to be wearing a new uniform in a couple of days. I still think Chris Bryant is the ultimate just because of his roster versatility and all of that stuff. I think he is the most likely to get moved. I would say Gallo, Part of it is, look, Gallo's under contract next year. So that is a reason why I think um, you're going to see Joey Gallo. Like, they're talking contract extension, but he does have one year left on that deal. So I think he's going to be sticking around. Um, Kimbrell is a really interesting one because 
you would think that would be the guy to move. And I can't help but think about the fact that this guy was awful a couple of years ago. And if I can sell Last high two years. Yeah. on Kate, Craig Kimbrell, don't get me wrong. He does look like the version that we were seeing when he was with the Padres and the Red Sox and uh, and the Braves. It seems like the Braves was so long ago. And it was so long ago, yeah. Yeah, but um, he does look like that guy. But relievers are such volatile pieces. Like there are so few that literally stick around to be elite for a long period of time. Craig Kimbrell is not a spring chicken. I'm moving him while the market is high on him. Like that, that is just something that I am doing. It's just, you probably wait until the very last moment to see what the highest piece is. Um, but Chris Bryant is gone. It, it's, it makes no sense for Chris Bryant to remain a cub unless nope. teams are just lowballing the, you know, what out of them. Chris Bryant has to be traded. And even then, even if teams are lowballing him, like yeah, at some point like, you got to do you really got you really got to hold on to him for what uh, a first round compensatory pick. Like, yeah, you, I mean, you move yeah, that's, that that's, that's the thing. Like you would have to be like, we talk about lowball. You would have to be like being offered, um, yeah. basically nothing like like middling prospects and high a ball 23 year olds playing in venezuela type of thing that have, exactly that were just signed as organizational depth um unless they're getting those kind of offers then yes the the compensation pick would be better uh in that situation and you know you could probably spin it as well we're, we're really going to try to sign chris bryant yeah bull crap I but, will. but somebody is going to say Oh, we can't just let Chris Bryant go. Like we, we we've got to offer something decent something. here because he can really help baseball teams with his versatility, with his power. Um, by all um, sources, a very good baseball teammate. Definitely a guy that I am trying to acquire. So yeah, it it would be the upset of upsets if Chris Bryant isn't playing for a new team on Friday. So let me ask you this: As we talk about Chris Bryant, we talk about someone about to, that we believe is about to get moved, um, that they're just about to get moved, and yet Trevor Story in a very similar boat of you know a free agent at the end of the year, no chance of getting re-signed by his current club, and yet it seems like the market for Story has gone ice cold. And this is one of the guys we had our kind of a buy or sell about three weeks ago, and we. I think you and myself both thought that Trevor Story might be the biggest name traded at the deadline. He might be a Rocky come August 1st, and that is not something I would have bet on. What a horribly run organization the Colorado Rockies are. I mean, there <laughs> yeah. is no reason to keep Trevor Story. You have no shot at re-signing him. None. Zip zero chance. Why would Trevor Story unless he is just a huge fan of the chain restaurants in Denver and be, hasn't told people this, why would Trevor Story stick around to rebuild when he's been playing for he's middling not. clubs forever? And he There's knows so, he's not, and the Rockies and, know he's not. Like, every yeah. side knows that he's going to be wearing a different uniform come next right. year, but it seems like there's not enough of a market out there no. apparently for what the for what the Rockies are looking for. Well, and then I guess they're going to settle for a first-round compensatory pick, but – Again, between the, I think, $7 million that you have to pay at the end of this year for Trevor Story over the, yeah. la the remainder of his contract, plus the million bonus pool that you'd have to give to your first-round pick, like this is an expensive hold for you to not for you to not just 
find something to go get him back. And again, Trevor Story, just like Chris Bryant, is not exactly a guy that you can just give away. No. But at the same time, if you're left holding a first round compensatory pick, like this is it's it's not it's not ideal. No, it's not. And that's one of the things like, okay, we talk about um like making the move there it's a risk because there is a chance that especially if Trevor Story was playing at the level we're accustomed to seeing Trevor Story play at, then yeah, a kid, you would think a contender might be willing to offer a little bit more. But you take a huge risk by not moving that guy in the offseason because, look, Trevor Story has not played at the elite level this year. Mm-hmm. Trevor Story is not going to sign a contract extension with you when you trade uh, for him for these final two months. So, yes, they have hurt themselves in value. And I also think there's something based on, like, the comments I've seen about Colorado ownership just being like – you. I think – I assume you saw the comments about how we are not other teams' farm systems. Yeah. So – Yes, you are right now. And you're not a very good one either. By That's the way. what, just That's what happens that. when you're a bad yeah. team for a while. That's what happens. hundred percent. Yeah. Apart. So exactly. You get picked apart. And so look, at some point, you just got to move him. I think that you have to move him just at this point for the sake of moving him. Um, because, yeah, you, you do have the chance to get that first round compensation pick. It's not worth it. Like I, 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 oh. I, I, I say, I guess the same thing with Chris Bryant a little bit too. But like, you have got to move this guy, and you have handled it terribly. They're not a good organization. I'm, I'm sorry. They are a very, very, very poorly run organization, and that's disappointing. I don't think there's many Rocky fans out there that's gonna that are gonna at you for that. I think they're all pretty much in agreement on that front as well. It's yeah. just a bummer to see that when they that the Rockies didn't trade Arenado and Story in the exact same breath in the offseason. Right. You right. go into the season, you tear it all down, you say we're in a division with two of the top three teams in baseball, we're not winning it, let's start this process and let's move all the pieces that we can. Right. Instead, they're left holding a bag right now that they don't want to be holding, and that right. is, that's a problem. Real um, quick, so, real yeah, quick, uh, Trey Turner, it appears that uh, Mike Murphy and are – yeah, I've, uh, I've, I'm sorry. There's a report on Twitter. I forgot the play- person's name. Robert Murray, excuse me, there you go. Uh, is reporting that he has not been traded. Trey Turner has not been dealt. So this does appear to be injury-related. Everything appears to be injury-related. Next year, our podcast is not going to mention injuries once. I'm making that pack right now. I like that. I'm, I'm all <laughs> for that pack. Uh, let's talk about – I'm all for that. Let's talk about two uh, – or at least I should say one last thing in here, and that is – Cole Hamels, a name that we have not heard at all during the season because obviously he has not played. But right. by all metrics, there were about 12 teams at a showcase the other day, and he pitched, I think, 25, 30 pitches. And some scouts came away very impressed by him. Sure. Cole Hamels, obviously a free agent at this point. He will not sign until August 1st because whatever team is left holding the I wanted sure. a starting pitcher and didn't it's, get one bag exactly. is going to be the one that goes sign him. But – as we look at, I think his inclusion into, hey, he might be a relevant piece of a team moving forward. I'm curious how that impacts the Kyle Gibson market. I'm curious how that impacts the Barrios market. I'm curious how it impacts those markets simply because, okay, maybe I don't need to give up a whole lot, but I I, I can give up nothing and, yes. sign, and sign Cole Hamels for the rest of the season. Or I have to give up prospects to go get those guys for – either a, a rental or whoever that would be a rental or another year. Um, Hamels, 
his inclusion in this in this conversation I find very interesting when we try and suss out the starting fishing market. Yeah, it's really interesting. And like you said, so the risk, the 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 venture gained is one, Cole Hamels is a a much better pitcher to me than a Kyle Gibson when he's at his best. Um, probably not as good as Barrios right now, but a um, similar type pitcher, you know, like um, a lot cheaper, <laughs> a lot cheaper, but offers a risk of the fact that he has not thrown. He has thrown yep. three and one third innings since 2019. It's going to take a little bit for him to get his arm strength back. So you're probably talking about, let's say you sign him August 1st. You're probably not adding him to your rotation until about August 15th at the yeah, earliest. Yeah, I would give around that. Three yeah, stars, so, minors, yeah, that makes sense. And, and even then, you're still taking a risk about like going through some stuff. Like We see lots of pitchers struggle with, a, with those, those first few starts where they're trying to iron things out. So, yes, it is cheaper in terms of uh, cost um, in terms of trade, and it will be, you know, especially for a prorated contract, assuredly. Um, yeah. It'll be cheaper for somebody financially, but a little more volatility just because you really can't, as good as the reports were at, at how he looked in that workout, zero guarantee that you're getting the picture that you saw in 2019, 2018. So interesting. And uh, in terms of fantasy, very interesting. Like uh, a guy that you might want to take a look at as a streamer, especially the team that I think makes the most sense here is the Cardinals. Like this is the type of thing where like, look, we're still kind of in this thing. We're not in it, but we're not pushing our chips to the center of the table. We don't we have can, to move. Yeah. Exactly. We don't have to move in Nolan Gorman. We don't have to. If this works out, great. If it doesn't, a well is just um, a bunch of Emo's pizza that's going to him over the uh, – it always comes back to Emo's pizza. Um, always. Always does. But, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, there's no risk in terms of what you're giving up but there is significant risk on relying on him. Hopefully that makes some sense. It does. And let's, let's end with one final kind of topic of conversation. Padres obviously going to get Adam Frazier. That means they're almost assuredly, if they make any other moves are going to go over the luxury tax threshold. Right. So far that team has been very open and said, like, we don't care. Like we're happy to go over it. If it means that we can put together a winning championship which, by the way, is how it's supposed to work, other teams. Yeah. But um, there is a conversation about Eric Hosmer. We always we talk about the Padres being buyers. Hosmer could be a piece that is sold. And it's, I find it very interesting the way that it might happen. He is right now in the fourth year of an eight-year, $144 million deal. He is yeah. not particularly living up to any part of that conversation. Honestly, I was very high on him entering the year, and he has not really played out what I was hoping. But – the Padres are currently looking, if they can shed his contract, they would love to do that. However, that might mean that they have to put one of their four top prospects into the deal to make that move. Mackenzie Gore, sixth overall. Uh, CJ Abrams, eighth overall. Luis Camposano, 31st. And Robert Hassel, 46th. All of those guys could be moved to facilitate the trade. Obviously, we could go into depth on all four of those prospects and speculate right. widely about them. But I want to focus on Mackenzie Gore here a second because I brought it up to you pre-show. And I still, as I look at all of these trade deadline conversations, I look at Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore, obviously, 22 years old, a top 10 prospect in the game, has been basically dubbed the, the best starting pitcher on the market for like, uh, I mean, prospect starting right. pitcher for like the last three years. Right. And yet, he didn't look good last year. 
He struggled the year before, and this year he has not looked good either. And obviously there wasn't much of a minor league season. There was no minor league season last year. So all of that kind of puts a little asterisk next to all of that. But he has not looked great. I am curious, is there a conversation where Mackenzie Gore, a guy that we have touted for years, is he more valuable as a trade chip than he is as a hopefully future frontline starter for a team that is very much in a win-now conversation? That's a really good question. I would say this. So Mackenzie Gore offers more trade value, especially for 2021, than he can be as a helper based on everything that's going on. Like, right. For those that don't know, Gore was struggling in AAA, and now he's actually working on some delivery mm-hmm. stuff, um, hasn't actually made a AAA start since I believe June, June 18th was the last yep. time that he was actually on the mound. And It just hasn't gone very well. Now, look, this is a young pitcher who has a lot of moving parts in his delivery. One of the reasons why he ranks so high is because he offers deception. And deception comes with a delivery that is not easy to repeat. Now, he has never had issues throwing strikes until last year. Mm -hmm. And now there's a lot of issues. Um, Some people are even using the term yips, which is not a term that you want to hear. Now, look, it goes without saying, but I am not attaching – Mackenzie Gore to get rid of Eric Hosmer. Uh, I, I think I just want to make that abundantly clear. You don't do that unless you are the Arizona Diamondbacks at that disaster of a deal where they attached Tuki Toussaint, yeah. who, by the way, looked phenomenal on Sunday. Uh, was did. a lot of fun to watch. Um, but you're not trading him in that type of thing. But look, if you're the Padres and you can move Mackenzie Gore and you can get a p- player who can help you this year and next year and maybe the year after that. Yeah, I think you have to consider it because he is no longer the best pitching prospect in baseball. That is now Hunter Green. And I would say the second best pitching prospect in baseball is now Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah, I would say the same. So Mackenzie Gore is the third best prospect pitching prospect in baseball, which is still very valuable and very good. It's more compliment to Green and Rodriguez than it is insult to Gore. But if you can move Mackenzie Gore for something that helps you this year and next year, yeah, I think you consider it. If they did something where they attached Gore to get rid of Hosmer, it would make me say, oh, well, the Padres think Mackenzie Gore is done because yeah. there's just no way that you do something like that. And by the way, uh, like the Eric Hosmer contract thing, like part of the reason why I think you have to get to move Eric Hosmer is just because – He doesn't fit your roster. If he is not an everyday player, you cannot in the National League have a backup first baseman on your roster with no designated hitter. Correct. No, no, you're 100% correct. And again, that's, I think, one of the reasons why I think the Padres are slightly, are like, are genuinely interested in moving Hosmer and are willing to pay a a steep price for it. And I know we, we talk gore, but like, Abrams, Campusano, and Hassel, like, you don't want to give up any of those guys just to unload money. But it seems like all four of them are being discussed and it's the only way that it's going to get Hosmer off the team. Now right. I'm more curious. I think there would have to be two moves in here. If you were to move Hosmer and Gore or Hosmer or whatever, like there would have to be a corresponding move coming in to replenish that spot. Absolutely. Like you're making yeah. this with an understanding. Okay. We can, we need to add this guy to our roster. We can't right. until we move, uh, until we move Hosmer, but would you, I'll, and again, speculating wildly, but, is Gore for Scherzer a conversation? I know Scherzer doesn't help you, I don't think, past this year, if I remember correctly. But So, 
Yeah, that that's a really good. But that question. moves you to maybe the best. That maybe moves you to the best team in the National League. When I when we started before this, uh, I kind of brought that up that that was something that might make sense. As I've been thinking about it, I'm not sure if I would do. It's very hard. I want to see teams go for it. I do think that uh, Mackenzie Gore is the type of play, player that like Washington should absolutely, if you can do it, do it. If it's a one for one, I would do that. If I'm the Washington mm-hmm. nationals, oh, because I would too. like the upside is huge, but for the Padres, it would have been a little easier for me to say yes, when they had Patino and they had some of these other arms behind him in the system. And when Chris Paddock was looking like a yep. future ace and stuff like that made a little more sense. Now I'm not so sure I might need, something else with Scherzer to justify that, but it's close. It's something I would at least consider because if you add Max Scherzer to that team, I think you become the world series favorites. And the other thing is the other thing is too, by you adding Max Scherzer, you are keeping the Dodgers and the giants from adding Max Scherzer. And I think that's something you have to consider too. Again, as we said, Mike Rizzo sitting on that phone, putting yeah. all of them on conference yeah. calls, saying, all right, which one of you guys wants them? Like, which yeah. one do you want some more? Oh. That's exactly how that'll play. And you know what? If Mackenzie Gore's thrown in that conversation versus Gavin Lux versus, I'm trying to think of who I would, I mean, versus what, Joey Bart in this conversation? I mean, like, Kai, that's, yeah, Kybert Ruiz would be yeah, uh, exactly. a huge target for those guys. I mean, but again, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. You cannot, um, uh, overstate the fact that Washington system is awful and they yeah. have to get they better. They will take literally anything. Any yeah. of those players we just mentioned immediately jump up to the number one person on there. I mean, 100%. Except for but yeah, yeah. every one yeah. of them would jump up to the top. 100%. Well, that just about finishes up our show for today. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you are subscribed to Circling the Bases wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. Five stars, strongly recommended. You can follow me on Twitter at Call Don't Lie, and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in tomorrow as Chris invites Meg Rowley, the managing editor of Fangraphs, onto the pod, so make sure you don't miss it. So until next time, stay safe out there, and as always, thanks for listening. Love you, Dom Smith. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.